This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Hans Shot First. This is our first show of the new year, so happy 2014 to all of you out there. And uh, joining me today is Alex and Scott. Say hello, guys. Hey. Hello. Scott's a little sick, so that sucks, I guess, but whatever. We'll, we'll clean it up in post. <laughs> yeah, he may, he may a little get a little dribble on his mic and a little cough in your ear, but, you know. A little pretty... light in your ear? <laughs> <laughs> you, whoa! So... This week's, and also we just uh, talked about this off the air, um, we're a little rusty. We haven't done this in a few weeks, so it's going to probably be terrible, but bear with us. Hopefully Alex can all fix it in post. What? Fixed it. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) So this week we're going to be talking about Jaws, and uh, specifically the scene where Quint tells a story about the Indianapolis. And um, since this was my topic, I guess I will go first and just kind of talk about what I love about that scene. And take it away, Jeff. (laughs) All right, I will. Thank you, Alex. (laughs) Um, That that movie, first of all, is my second favorite movie. It's got to be on every movie lover's like top ten. Yeah, at least it should be on your top three. But (laughs) I'll accept your top ten. Behind Star Wars. And I combine Star Wars, so for me, one is Empire, Star Star Wars, and Jedi. But Jaws is number two. Being my second favorite movie, that scene is my favorite scene of that movie. And um, (laughs) I'm not even drinking. This is weird. I know, me either. I don't have any booze today. That sucks. Maybe you Um, should be drinking. Did you think about that? I'm trying not to. New Year resolution, drink less. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to last real long. (laughs) At least this year I didn't say not drink. It's just drink less. Um, anyway, but hey, speaking of drinking, in that scene, they are drinking. <laughs> God damn it. Um, Quint, they all get shit-faced, right? They all get shit-faced. And, well, I don't know shit-faced, but they're definitely, you know, boozing it up. And I heard even behind the scenes they actually were boozing it up. That wasn't acting. <laughs> that was boozing well, it up. Yeah, I think Robert Shaw at that point, his liver was just permanently pumping out alcohol. <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> my favorite line of the movie. Um, I, I'm now I'm, I say it's my second favorite movie, but at that point, I don't even know if you've seen the shark. I think you have at that point. You finally saw the shark, and uh, just sitting there, you know what they're into, but yeah, because they saw them, they put the barrels in them, so definitely they've seen them. They're just, it's kind of calm, they're sitting there, and he just starts telling the story. And for... I don't know, today, just with these special effects and everything, all it takes is a guy just telling a story like that and to be the most, like, riveting, scary thing in the world, just imagining yourself, just listening to him, like, just being in the water, you know, just you're just your head sticking up and your friends, just sharks coming in and just, it's just chance. Ah, God, I can't even describe. Just It gives me the goosebumps every time he tells a story and there's no special effects, just a guy telling a story. And maybe it reminds 
me of just as a kid listening to your aunts and uncles, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, just telling stories and not even really ghost stories, but just little stories that would just kind of freak you out because you're a kid and your imagination runs wild. And I think that's what, what takes Jaws from being a, a great horror film to being a masterpiece is that besides all the tension that gets built up, um, you, you, you care about these characters by, by the end. They, they give you that whole scene to really dig into to Quint and you, you get his backstory and then you, you get uh, Hooper's backstory and you know Brody's kind of been there the whole time but you know that's the first time the three of them kind of bond and you're like okay you know this is this is where you know things are really going to start happening they're going to take on the shark and from there they're, they're able to move the story forward um, it's just that that's what great filmmaking is it's not just special effects or building up attention you need to have the, the great character moments to go along with it and yeah. alcohol and drugs there's no drugs. What? What? On uh, set? Well, probably. <laughs> but he was... I mean, he nailed it right on the head, Scott. And then just to... It makes him not just an asshole. Like, he is an asshole, but you understand why he's an asshole. Like, I hate it when movies just have villains and they're just dicks and you don't know why. Like, he had something against... There's a reason why he hunted sharks, and there's a reason why he... <laughs> shark racist. <laughs> yeah, it's it's white shark racist. It's just, yeah. I, I don't know. That's just one of my biggest pet peeves movies. When when the villains, the heavies, are just dicks for no reason other than die. we need a bad guy and he hates you for no reason other than he, that we needed a guy to hate you in the movie. Why do you do things like that? No reason. Yeah. I just like doing stuff like that. Scott was uh, mentioning the Warriors is on, so. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got the, the Warriors on in the background. Uh, I was giving a play-by-play before we started. <laughs> so so Warrior... So where are your empty beer bottles? And you're going to tap them when it's your turn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> clink, clink, clink. Um, but also going back to like just the, the special effects and stuff of Jaws, and you said it's a masterpiece, and it is, but it's also one of those things, if you like watch the documentaries and stuff, where it shouldn't... They got lucky. Like, it's like Spielberg and Lucas got <laughs> lucky with their first few movies. Like They wanted to show the shark more. They wanted to do this more. Just the, the technical... You know, the, the technical difficulties of getting the robot shark to work just didn't work, so they just had to use the barrels. But that just made you your imagination work more. And I believe the same thing happens with Star Wars and Empire, where Lucas wanted to have all these special effects he couldn't, so they had to improvise with stuff, and then that's what made him better. When he could do everything he wanted and no one told him no, he made the prequels. So no, the Wampa yeah, looks pretty yeah, they're, good. They're they're both forced to, to do some actual like story work as opposed to just the visual effects, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's probably not fair to group Spielberg with Lucas because he did a lot more than just, you know, Jaws. And he did, I mean, Lucas only did one thing ever good. Other than that, it's been crap. Howard but... the Duck, I know. <laughs> what what was it that, that Spielberg called the the shark? Not not Bruce, but he had his head in the for because it was so horrible. <laughs> the Great White Turd. Yeah, that was it. Jeebus. <laughs> 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 yeah, and he said that he hated it, but I think it, it saved the movie. It made the movie. You know, it, one of the things that made the movie it, what it is, right? I mean, there's a lot. He still directed it fine. The actors were great. The soundtrack, obviously, but not showing the shark at all until the very end. And then even when you do see it, it's mostly like underwater, and you can barely see it. And and even when it pops out of the water, it's not the best of models. But by then, like it's towards the end of the movie, you've imagined the shark and. Oh. Imagination gets imprinted on, you know, the model. Yeah, if you, exactly. If, if you just see, like, that scene, like, on YouTube or something, like, without watching the rest of the movie, you know, it doesn't, it's, it, of course, doesn't have the same impact. 
That's true. It's almost like a mental green screen. Yeah. <laughs> they, they could have had the shark come up in a green outfit like some, like some special effects dude. And we were already imagining the worst shark ever. Like how many years later when like uh, Deep Blue Sea came out and you could do the 3D, 3D sharks and it's a totally different movie. No, that movie is still awesome for its other reasons. <laughs> but They ate me. The fucking shark ate me. But it's not the masterpiece that <laughs> that Jaws is. So um, I just freaking love it. I could talk about Jaws forever. Just Amity Island, the whole, Chief, the little boys are karate chopping the fences and everything. And, and... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Mom, I got bit by a vampire. And he comes in, he cut himself on the fence. And just some of those moments of the, I think my, Second favorite scene in the movie is the the fake the kids ah, Jesus I can't talk the kids are in the uh, everyone's in the water on Fourth of July they chief is freaking out um, people finally start going chief in chief shitting bricks <laughs> chief shitting bricks um, those kids have a fake fin and everyone freaks out and jumps out and they're like oh goddamn kids but all right at least it was fake <laughs> he almost got shot in the face with a rifle <laughs> yeah. And Chief's like kind of finally relaxing, and then all of a sudden you hear like this little this girl just pointing and going shark, shark. It's like oh god, it's just so. And you see that dorsal fin; it's up for like maybe two seconds, and then disappears. And then you know that his son's out there. Ah, uh, goddamn! I love that movie. Is that the the jump cut scene where jump he's just, cut. where he's sitting on the lawn, and then every time somebody walks by, it, the camera jumps closer to a closer shot. No, no, that one's earlier. That's when the the boys swim in with everybody, and he gets eaten in oh, front okay. of every, everybody. That and that's when it does that shot where it zooms in on him and pans out at the same time. However, they do that uh, trick, but uh, it's that's awesome easy to do that trick. You know, right? You yeah, zoom in and pan out or something. It's... No, you move the you move the camera back. You truck. You put like put it on wheels or something, or you just walk backwards with the camera while zooming in. Yeah, that's what I just said. Isn't panning what I just isn't the same thing? No, panning is moving side to side. You're right. Fuck. <laughs> hey, when else is right? Ass. Art school, bro. Art school. Yeah, worth every penny. <laughs> it was. Yeah, to, not to put, to put me wrong on the podcast. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you guys is? I've kind of hogged jaws, but here, what do you guys thoughts? Alex, Scott. Yeah. Would he, was he was he telling that story before or after they were like comparing scars and stuff? Because I love that scene. That was part of that scene. Yeah, that's that's how the story started, right? They they were comparing scars, and then they ask about a certain scar, and he says, "Oh, a tattoo removed in the USS Indianapolis," and then he starts telling the story. Oh, okay. That that, that seems also good because it, it makes Hooper seem like less of a pansy. Like, the whole time, he's just Richard Dreyfus, and then, you know, he's, like, super obnoxious, and you're like, oh, this guy's actually, you know, been in the water and been bitten by sharks and shit, and he still wants to go out there. So, you know, he, he's not entirely uncool. <laughs> yeah, when he points at his chest. Is it? I forget the name of the girl's I name. Was yeah. 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 <laughs> it broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was hammered. That's true. And that scene's been mimicked doing like how many movies? I don't know, like Chase uh Chasing Amy, Lethal Weapon three, uh Yeah, two at least. But I know it's yeah, National Lampoon <laughs> loaded weapon one. Yeah. Just making fun of Lethal Weapon probably, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he opens up his chest and there's a hamster running on a wheel. 
How many times do you guys keep bringing up loaded weapon? I've seen I it like to... once. I, I swear to God, before we started this podcast, it never occurred to me that we'd be talking about loaded weapon on this <laughs> I've seen it once, like in, whenever it came out on VHS way back in the day. I don't know anything about it. For that year that it came out like on VHS, it was my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Wait, for the year it came out, it's your favorite movie of all time. Yeah. What do you mean? That it was just like I only watched that movie for like that year when it came out on VHS, and I got it from Blockbuster. 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 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything else about that scene, Scott? Nope. <laughs> Alex. It was it was nice pacing. I thought to have like uh, that little dinner scene slow down a little bit because there was like a lot of tense stuff happening, and it's like okay, let's take a breather get to know these guys, and then things got even more intense. And it, it was a nice contrast. It, it was nice to have that little lull so that the rest of the scenes afterwards that were really intense seemed even more intense. Yeah. Yeah, it almost served as uh, comic relief in a way. Yeah, that too. Um, and, and like the classical sense of you had, you had all the super tense drama, and then you have this, this scene where you're able to relax a little bit and you know laugh with the characters. And then you know, things get even more serious. And then yeah, one of them gets eaten. Spoiler. What? And then they drink to their legs. Classic vaudeville. <laughs> you want to drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. <laughs> yeah. And then well, we haven't even gotten to the best part. And then they sing the awesome song. And that's when the shark attacks, right? But, Show me the way to go. Boom, 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 boom. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah awesome and then another thing i always remember sticks out to me in those scenes like okay the shark attacks they go outside they fight them off a little bit and then they film it at night but you don't see this it's not like lit up like usually they show night in movies it's i don't know they've hollywood has tricked us in what night looks like in a movie it's still lit up but there's a darkness somewhere i don't know how to describe it but in that movie it actually looks like dark yeah, because right, like, nowadays in movies they film a lot of night shots during the day, and then in post they just change it to night. So it looks uh, brighter and you can t- actually tell what's going on. But back then, yeah, they probably just actually filmed at night, and that's why it uh, seems so pitch black. I don't even – I mean – Well, they, they sure were probably – they're out on the water, so they didn't have all the – like the light rigging and all that stuff. So that alone was going to make it seem darker. Yeah. yeah. But maybe because, like, the moon's out or something and the reflection, that that was enough to get by, you know, that you could at least see something. I don't know. It's just it's really cool. And then I always like how you can see, like, the shooting stars, which some of them look really fake. I, I'm assuming they're fake, but it was something I always I always liked seeing in the, in the movie. I love that movie. All right. Sounds like we've uh, beaten this one. So, um, Scott. Or who wants to go first? Seems like we shot the oxygen tank out of this scene. Whoa! Whoa! 2014, welcome back, everybody. I'm not going to find that kind of humor on other podcasts. (laughs) Damn right. Alex, go ahead. So stupid. I said Scott first. I'm running this show. Scott, you go first. All right. Okay, so I I came at it kind of like what you were saying early on about how kind of pulls you out of the movie and it's just cool to hear these guys talk. Um, so I was kind of thinking about just movies, uh, moments that are kind of transcendent where it, what's going on is so cool with the characters that 
the the rest of the story doesn't kind of matter while whatever's going on is going on. Um, so my first example would be from Heat, which is another movie we talk about a lot. Uh, the the coffee shop scene with De Niro and Pacino. You know, they, they have a back and forth. Um, they they go go on about their personal lives, and you know, at the end, Pacino says, "I'll put you down if I have to," and De Niro says the same thing. But they say they don't want to have to do it. And, you know, that whole scene's going on, and as you're sitting there watching it, you, you kind of hope um, in the back of your head that, that that would be, like, it's almost its own movie. Like, there's enough between those two characters to, to film, like, a whole lot more than that, that couple minutes they, that they have. So, yeah, just kind of uh, almost, almost like a, a side piece of the movie itself, um, even though, you know, it was kind of integral to what was going on. Um, yeah, I do. The, the my only part with that scene, I love that movie. That scene almost just seems like it's forced, though. There, well, there was a lot of hype with the uh, oh man, De Niro and Pacino would be on screen at the same time. But yeah, but yeah. that at that point, both the characters are so cool, and you know, you just love seeing them uh, on screen and seeing Pacino chew up on scenery and stuff. But and you know, apparently that happened in real life. Like you know, that's kind of it's loosely based off of yeah, yeah. The guy. Yeah. And they actually the cop talked about he did meet the guy and talk to him before he's like, I'm gonna have to you know someday we're gonna have to do something you know arrest you. And so apparently that really happened. So maybe it's not forced. So I take back what I just said. <laughs> well, no, I mean I at, that, at that point in the movie, um, if De Niro's so smart, he wouldn't have stopped there. To, the station because right after that they lose all their tails that the cops have on them so it would have been smarter just to head to where it is he was going to go so in that sense yeah it was kind of forced but you know he figured he was safe so he did it anyways right yeah. uh, next movie was from one of my favorite uh, I guess it it's kind of a kung fu movie but it's actually more of a western if you really think about it uh, Kill Bill oh, uh, volume one say. Big Trouble in Little China. No. Uh, although that one kind of follows the same formula. <laughs> the, the whole Man from Okinawa sequence uh, is one of probably my favorite scenes. I, uh, God damn it. <laughs> I got the After episode. these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> okay, I'm going to need a few minutes now. All right, Scott, you ready? Yeah. Welcome back, Scott. All right. So, Matt uh, from Okinawa scene. Uh, you get the great uh, Sonny Chiba as Hattori Hanzo. The whole Serious scene. Business. Sorry. Yes. You speak Japanese like we speak Japanese. And, and so the scene goes uh, where he's laying it on thick. And he thinks she's just some American tourist. Uh, just the, the whole byplay. And then he goes upstairs and he has her pick out a sword and throws a baseball. It just I quote that line a lot, by the way. Whenever I say baseball, I say it like he does in that movie. You like baseball. You like, like baseball. I, I like you like samurai swords? I like baseball. Did you just say I like, you racist? I said like. Oh, okay. Swoham at gmail.com. I like baseball. Serious business. I know, I don't sound anything like him, but in my mind... <laughs> you turned into the, the Mater D from the Simpsons episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. Oh. Captain Zulu. <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, he 
she drops Bill's name and he gets that look on his face and he's he agrees to forge the new sword for her. <laughs> I like how he goes over to the window condensation and he writes Bill. <laughs> he stamps it with the dot on the eye. That's awesome. Yeah. I like how his little associate <laughs> like gives her a dirty look because she because she wanted sake in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> Get your ass out here. <laughs> she. Just, if I was, if it's been twenty years, I should be general by now. If you were general, then I would be emperor. Yeah, just that whole byplay is so great. Uh, I, you know, I almost want my own movie with just the two of them. You know, the, the Tori Hanzo adventures, uh, and then she, he gives her a month before the sword's gonna be ready, and suggests that she trains. Um, and we don't see any of that. Uh, not that necessarily need another montage or whatever. But yeah, it's just great character moment. It almost felt like it was a uh, like he was guest starring from another movie, in a, which in a way he was because there was a whole series of Hattori Hanzo movies in Japan. Um, so it, it kind of felt like its own separate thing, a little slice from something else outside of the movie. Um, and then even uh, later on, when he when he had the showdown in the House of Blue Leaves, there was another very very quick character beat um, between Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu. When they do the silly rabbit tricks for tricks is for kids thing, um, I felt that was pretty great because it kind of illustrated that they that the two of them had this whole backstory together that they never really go into. I mean, there, I think there's a reason why the bride goes into such detail about Oren, and that's because uh, they they were kind of confidants to each other, you know, friends. Uh, for lack of a better term, alone of the the assassination squad, so she, Oren was probably the only one besides Bill that she felt like a real personal connection to, um, before she went on her rampagement. Um, Is yeah. that Oren Ishii half Chinese, half Japanesey? <laughs> yes, that's the one. Oh, okay, that's, that's the one. Uh, that's the worst song ever, by the way. <laughs> um, but that's an interesting point, Scott. I never thought about that, and that's. I think you're right because she tells a story about how, I mean, how else would she know that her parents were killed, that, you know, she was basically, you know, well, she was, I don't know if she was raped because she was luring the guy in, but, you know, she yeah. was the pedophile. So she had to have told yeah, and Be- then, and then, Be- and Beatrice then, about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then even at, uh, right before the, the end of their fight um, outside, uh, she she apologizes for ridiculing her earlier, yeah. and I think I think that was more than just making fun of her, you know, in the last couple of minutes. That was for the whole shebang, like everything that she had a part in. Um, that was her apologizing for that, um, and then you kind of see Uma it takes it that way as well. That it's more than just you know, oh sorry, I made fun of you two minutes ago. Since you're on this, I want to do a, a quick crossover moment here. This is going to be a weird one, but since we're on the topic. Favorite Quentin Tarantino scene? Not movie, but scene. And you just nailed a couple good ones there, Scott. I don't know. Is that Would that be your favorite one? The the, the Hattori Hanzo is, is definitely up there. Uh, we, we talked about the Colonel Koontz, or Captain Koontz, sorry. The, but probably my, my favorite one is just from, from Pulp Fiction... Um, when when Jules calls up Marcellus in the, the Bonnie situation section, when he says, "I don't want to hear anything else from your ass except go in there, chill them niggas out," 
and the cavalry will be on its way. And then Marcellus Wallace says, go in there, chill them niggas out. I'll be sending the wolf directly. <laughs> and he says, you're sending the wolf? And Marcellus Wallace says, you happy, motherfucker? And then here's my favorite line from the entire movie. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> you go, that's all you had to say! <laughs> that, that line kills me every time. <laughs> um, that one, and then... The- just you know, he's notorious for saying "motherfucker," and that right before, right after that scene, <laughs> yeah. I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> like I've never <laughs> heard someone ever say that twice in a row and make me laugh like that. It's it's <laughs> it's like the word "motherfucker" was was his canvas, and he painted a masterpiece. <laughs> All right, it's Alex. Um. This is hard. I shouldn't have picked this because I don't know what I <laughs> Yeah. I like the whole diner scene um, in uh, Reservoir Dogs before they go and do the whole job where you get to know everybody a little bit. Either that or when uh, What's-His-Face is cutting up the cop to stuck in the middle with you. That was freaking creepy. That was tough to watch. It was. That is tough. Uh, God, there's so many. I'm dancing around with that razor blade. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, and he knows how to use music, right? I mean, every time he songs in a, in a movie, you like, you hear that song on the radio somewhere, and it just takes you right back to that. Yeah. Ah, for me, it's... Ah, <laughs> well, what I can think of right now is the very beginning of Inglorious Bastards with the, um, the Jew Hunter and the family, and they're under the boards, and he's... Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't even like that movie that much, but that the first 30 minutes, or however long that was, just... just Ah, oh, it just gets you. Just he's, he's so great in that movie. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh God, that it's... scene is just so. You're so. It's so tense. Oh, you're just so full of tense, and then later, like the full of tense. That doesn't even make sense. But you know, you're so tense in that <laughs> it moment. Is full of tense. <laughs> <laughs> and they just and that sets up too, which he's also good at. Like I think with the Hatorianza sword, they talk about the sword, how awesome it is. And then later on, when you actually see it, everyone knows what that is, right? And just the yeah. fact that she has one or that – I remember everyone saying when, when um, she goes and she kills um, – well, Daryl Hannah – Daryl Hannah – God, Daryl Hannah kills Michael, <laughs> Michael Madsen. No, but he kills Michael Madsen and then she kills blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, she has her new Tortori Hanzo sud plus – the other dudes, I was like, why doesn't he should take both of them? I remember everyone saying that she can do Willie. I was watching it the other day. She leaves the money, too. I yeah, was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's not about money, man. It's about revenge. I guess so. Setting things right. Getting her daughter back. That, that might be one of my favorite scenes, too, where she's, when she digs herself out of the grave and she's walking t- toward the restaurant. That, that just... is hilarious. <laughs> she's, got, she's, she's got, like, she's kind of stomping across the road. <laughs> But the dust coming off there, and she sits all primly. May I have a glass of water? This is a bad crossover topic because I I have like a hundred. I haven't even named a Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I like name. I I, I want to you know in the glorious <laughs> bastards the uh... Buongiorno. Yeah, <laughs> Gigliani. <laughs> the, the that scene in the beginning pays off later when they're in the restaurant um, from Inglorious Bastards, and uh, she's she's sitting there and yeah, keeps going on thinking, about too. milk yeah. and. You're just wondering the whole time, does he know? Does he not know? Is he just screwing with her? And that That's a great scene. Yeah, and he orders the milk, and you're like, fuck. 
good. It's like, oh, God. And then we haven't even talked about, like, I know this is not one of his more popular ones, but Death Proof. Oh, man. That <laughs> When, uh, what's his face? Kurt Russell turns into a whiny little I bitch can't. at the end of the movie. Oscar should have went to him for <laughs> that was <laughs> directing and just, acting. Just do it. <laughs> oh God! Ah, ah. Why me? Why? <laughs> you guys all Nancy Kerrigan? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh come on! The anniversary of that just ha- just passed. Did it? Yeah. yeah. You know what's, you know what's sad? Why? Is, Why? Is uh, Tanya Harding is like on TV and doing shit. She has a career. I I don't know what Nancy Kerrigan's up to these days. She's in Blades of Glory. Hey, Nancy Kerrigan, you an official here? Is you officially giving me a boner? <laughs> I have not seen that movie, but that line sounds pretty funny. Oh, you haven't, <laughs> dude? Get on that. Oh, okay. I'm not 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 the biggest John Heater fan, so it's it's a Will Ferrell movie. Don't worry. And besides, John Heater's still really good in it. He he's not like any other characters he's ever been. Who's John? To Heater? be honest, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh yeah, I almost got on that one. All right, so off of this uh, crossover moment, Scott, you got anything left? Yeah, yeah, uh, just a, a few more to get through here quickly. Blade Runner. Uh, I actually saw this again recently. I, I basically hadn't seen it since I was a kid. Which I, one of the 20 versions did you watch? I had the Blu-ray director's cut. Um, the ultimate ver- I, I don't know the exact name. The ultimate version? The one, yeah. without, the one with or without the voiceover? The one, okay, there was no voiceover. Okay. Um, I guess it was the director's cut. Um, Were there flying cars in this one? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it was on Blu-ray. And Did he walk over Jabba the Hutt? Thank you so much, Alex. <laughs> uh, damn! I don't even know what I was going to say next now. Tears okay, of the Rain. So, okay, so so Blade Runner. I was I I watched it uh, again Blade recently. Glory Runner. On on Blu-ray, and. Fucking hell. All right. <laughs> Fuck it. We're yes. doing it live. <laughs> All right. I'm watching the, the Blu-ray re- version recently. Uh-huh. And it it looks amazing. Uh, I, I recommend it for nothing other than just the ridiculous job that Ridley Scott uh, did on the set design in that movie. Um, it holds up now. Uh, I don't know how many years later, like 20 plus, right? Yeah, 25, 30? At least. It, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, that, that version, there's, there's no voiceover. And if, if you've never seen it, um, I, I would recommend it. But anyways, uh, now that I've said if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. We'll get straight to the biggest spoilers. Um, <laughs> at, at the end of the movie, after the big chase, uh, Rutger Hauer's there, um, and, and you're wondering, is he going to finish off Harrison Ford or not? And he goes on that speech. It's it's a little overwrought, and then you have the dove thing, and I don't know about that too much, but um, it's otherwise a great scene. Uh, but yeah, he, he describes all the stuff he did when he was off planet, um, and they they kind of touch upon it um, at different points in the film. And you know, you, you kind of want to see what what he's talking about the whole time you've been in this dreary, uh, although gorgeous, uh, you know, po- post-apocalyptic future Los Angeles. But he, he's talking about, you know, off-planet and seeing all these, like, uh, astral phenomena. Um, you, you really want to see where they were and what they did in the meantime. 
like by the time the story starts, you're just seeing it through Harrison Ford's eyes. Um, so you're not really getting too in depth of, you know, everything that happened before that. Um, so, I mean, not that that ever should happen, but it would be cool to, to see what, what they actually did. Let's see, moving along, uh, Princess Bride, uh, they, you, you get to our three heroes and almost all the coolest stuff they did off camera, uh, was just, you know, recanted through some stories. You get, you get an ego story and that's great. And then you, get Wesley talking about how he was on the ship with Dread Pirate Roberts. Um, Fezzik doesn't tell much of his own story. You kind of get it through bits and pieces through other characters. But you kind of want to see where, you know, what they did to get to where they are now. At least maybe that's just me. Um, you know, to see what, what, how Wesley exactly became the Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, what Fezzik was doing in Iceland. Or was it Greenland or Iceland? Uh, I don't know. I Which one's with all the ice? Greenland. I don't know. They both have. They're both <laughs> fucking freezing. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I always kind of wanted to to see more of the adventures of of three heroes, uh, and then finally we we've talked a little bit about this. Uh, Game of Thrones is just full of this stuff, where you take. Um, it's tough to say that there's a main character at this point, other than maybe Daenerys and Tyrion, maybe, maybe John. Yeah. Um, but with the a lot of the side characters, um, they'll throw them in together sometimes, and it's always fantastic. We talked about throwing Arya in with anybody, and you could kind of just make a whole show, at least a whole episode of it, just that. Although, probably my favorite scene from, from last season was when they threw in uh, Charles Dance as Tywin, um, who in my opinion is the best character on that show, at least the actor just nails it every single time. When he's in the scene with the the old Queen of Thorns, uh, Lady Alina from the from the Tyrells, and they go through that whole byplay where, like, he's like the only one that she comes across that he can, you know, that that she can match up with. Um, everybody else, like even Tyrion, and varies. She just kind of verbally backs into a corner, but Tywin matches her like blow for blow with with all the. The subtle, not so subtle, you know, threats and posturing and like that scene again could have gone on forever. I, I don't know how well you guys remember that scene, but that that was one of my my favorite moments from the from last season. Yeah, it was really cool. I like that scene. It was alright. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. It was alright. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, that, sh- that should just uh, do it for me. All right. Alex, you want to go or you want me to go? Go where? All right, you go, since you started with it. <laughs> uh, first of all, Quint, I love his uh, little cameo on The Simpsons when Bart was stuck down a well, and they were trying to figure out alternative ways of getting uh, little Timmy O'Toole out of the well, and he was playing the prank. <laughs> and, oh, you see this guy looks a lot like Quint going, with this hook in this hunk of chocolate. I'll lend you your boy, and I'll clean him for free. <laughs> Man, they always they always nail like really good um, impersonations on The Simpsons. Yeah, that was hilarious. But uh, scenes uh, that reminded me a lot of uh, Quint's like little story, where you just want to. Jeff nailed it for me when you just want to like sit down and you're just staring at this older, wise, wiser person telling you something that actually happened and it's freaking you the hell out was the usual suspects 
when Kevin Spacey was describing who Kaiser, who he thought Kaiser Soze was, and he's telling him the story about how you know Kaiser had his whole family and everything, and these guys from a rival gang came and held him hostage, and Kaiser <laughs> shot his family first, and then killed all of the um, kidnappers except for one, so that he can go out and tell everybody. Uh, what he'd done and stuff and not to mess with him that was I thought was brilliant that was a pretty cool uh, story that I wanted to hear more of even if it was you know fake spoilers yeah well, that, I, really well that that scene had the the great quote too where uh, Verbal says Keaton used to always say he didn't believe in God but he was afraid of him and then Verbal says well I believe in God and the only thing that scares me is Kaiser Soze yeah it's awesome I've only seen that movie once. I don't remember that, so... Oh. Watch it again. I should. Right Brian after uh, only good Loaded Weapon 1 and uh, Blades of Glory. I have seen Blades of Glory, so I don't have to see that one again. Oh, okay. Another like little tidbit. This one was more of... it. it well, this movie had a lot of up and downs, whether it was kind of serious, but most of it was just fun and action-y. But one of the funnier moments was in The Fifth Element... When uh, Zorg bring, brings in the priest, and he, he's saying that whole speech about how if something is destroyed, all these little things come to life, and he's giving a lot of little jobs to everybody, and how all these little robots are made by people that he's, you know, is feeding their families and everything so they can have children and make more robots. And then at the very end, he just starts choking on a cherry. <laughs> and he's looking at that stupid elephant thing going, <laughs> That stupid elephant thing, I forgot about that. He, keep, he, keeps, he keeps pointing at his back, hoping the elephant's going to do something for him. Yeah, like, it was like, what, is, is that elephant thing supposed to, like, stick its trunk down his throat and get the cherry, or what? That thing's got to be the most random thing in a movie of all time. It's just sitting there... <laughs> Forgot about that. Then Father Cornelius just pats him on the back, spits out the cherry. Yeah. Aren't you not supposed to hit him on the back, and you're supposed to give him the Heimlich instead? Well, now, but that was like the old. Well, method. in the in the future, they go back to. <laughs> okay. To the slack. Back you are fired. <laughs> oh, you miserable bastard! I never should have pushed you out. <laughs> I s- I still think that was Demi Moore. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. His mom? Yeah. Could have been, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Is she good at voices? Uh, I don't uh, know. I don't want an incident. Yeah. Stutter, can you hear me? Stutter, listen to me. I don't want an incident. Oh, boy. Good and uh, lastly, it was one of the, one of the uh, like little speeches that gave me chills. Kind of like uh, Quint's. In a, in a completely different way, of course, it was in Pulp Fiction, after Butch uh, saves, what's his face? Marcellus Wallace. Rains. Yeah, Marcellus Wallace. He saves him, and he, he already shot the hillbilly in the dick, and he's just, he's like, what's, what happens now? He's like, now, I'm gonna get some real pipe-hitting niggas and go medieval on his ass. You hear me, hillbilly boy? He's like, oh, shit, that guy's gonna get fucked up. He walks down there. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm pretty fucking far from okay. <laughs> yeah. There is no me and you. Yeah. That part. You lost was... your LA privileges. 
<laughs> Speaking of Simpsons moments, when they do the, the Pulp Fiction, yeah, that's I got donuts. I got donuts. <laughs> See, hey, I know you. Blam. <laughs> You start running. Hey, hold up. We got a swap insurance info. <laughs> Looks like the spider caught himself a couple of flies. <laughs> that was good. That, that, that guy's they, that guy got like never really showed up after that episode again, did he? Oh, uh, which one? No, the one-armed guy. No, he's been in a couple episodes. Well, he was from that guy who stuck his hand out the bus, right? Wasn't that his <laughs> early episode or something? How'd you lose your arm, sir, in the war? Let me just tell you this, Sonny. Next time your teacher tells you to keep your hands in the bus, you do it! <laughs> that reminds me of Arrested Development and that guy with the one arm that... Buster? <laughs> yeah, no. He has one hand. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy that his dad... That uh, uh, George <laughs> the hires. Yeah, and that's why you always leave a note. Oh, that show's great. All right, any more? Uh... No, that was it. Oh, no. One last one. Just the the milkshake speech from There Will Be Blood. That was amazing. The movie was, like, really, really good. But that just ending speech when he's just putting that little shit in his place. It was awesome. I have never seen that movie. And that one, that is one I need to see. I just... That that, that movie is, is fantastic. I highly recommend it. I never need to see it again. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those movies. All right, it's a good list, Alex. So, for me... I tried to do, like, other parts of movies where somebody is just telling a story. Not necessarily, like, a speech or anything, but just telling or just talking to another character. And so <laughs> the, one of the first ones that came up with is actually – it's a funny one. It's from Mallrats. <laughs> it's when Brody is in the game show and he starts telling the story about his uncle, like, dying in a plane crash and just jerking <laughs> off. <laughs> just starts whipping it out. It's just beating off. And the whole audience is captivated, and he's sitting there, and then What's-His-Face has, uh, is it Gil? Grant Hicks? Gil Hicks? I don't know. One of those. Dante, basically. <laughs> well, did he come or what? Gil. Gil, yeah. Well, did he come or what? I always love that, and it's a stupid story, but that's something I think about when I think of, like, funny someone telling story in the movie. The other one for me, as a kid, Goonies, when Mikey, when they find the treasure map, and Mikey's telling all the kids about the story that his dad told him about the one-eyed Willie and you know, all that. And, he just told him, and that's what kind of leads them. You know, it, gets their, it gets your imagination going, but as a kid, being the exact same age as those kids in that movie came out, it was like I was ready to go with them too on that adventure yeah. after, after hearing that story and seeing the stuff in the attic. So that one, um, yeah, it's not you know one of the greatest ones, but something that I really enjoyed as a kid. <clears throat> Mister, I was just captured by these really disgusting people, the Fratellis. <laughs> you might have heard of them. I can describe all three of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, Chunk. Alright, the next one I got is also... Well, these are like almost all 80s movies. Oh, I guess Mallrats was 90s. Um, Gremlins... When, when Phoebe Cates is telling the story about her dad. Oh gosh, dying. I forgot about that. Oh, man. It's not supposed to be, but that always makes me laugh so Sp- fucking hard. No, Spielberg, <laughs> Spielberg is like the most horrible like family deaths. Yeah. <laughs> and as a kid, I did not find that funny, Alex. That was like so messed up. Well, of course not, but now when I watch it. I actually haven't seen Gremlins in a while. Probably because that scene scared me so much. <laughs> I didn't want to see it, but... Yeah, that movie is like... 
I don't know. I mean, I was a scare. I was scared of a lot of stuff as a kid. But even Gremlins didn't scare me because they were so over the top. But that was the scariest part of that movie to me. I think that, and then the one like blowing up in the microwave was kind of gross. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just telling the story about her dad, you know, dressing up and the way like, oh, it started this smell, and they looked in the chimney, and ah, oh, brutal <laughs> for a kids a kids movie, isn't it? What I don't was know. He doing trying to slide down the chimney. <laughs> He's uh, trying he's, to be a good father and surprise his kids. stupid father. Oh, man. All right, and another one I have. Um, now, this one, eh, I'm not even going to use this one because I think this one's cheating, so I'm not going to talk about it. But <laughs> another 80s movie, or this may be it's 80s or 70s, is Rambo. And the very end when oh, he's talking. Man. I should have picked this one. <laughs> and yeah. just telling you know his story over the uh, phone or CB or whatever. That is just that's what what makes Rambo special. It's not just the total act. I guess that is the, maybe why I don't like Rambo as much as I like Commando. Was Commando? There's nothing silly like that. There's no dialogue. There's no reason. <laughs> it's character development. <laughs> yeah, there's no character. There's no reason why he's doing all this other than to save his daughter. And Rambo it actually puts heart and character and why he is what he is what he is. And that's just you know Drew for his blood and all that. Ah, awesome. Yeah, the army made him into a monster. Now it's like, oh, don't be a monster anymore. Now you're back here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not only don't be a monster, just don't even be around here. You, should, you know, we didn't even want you in that war. <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. All right, and my last one is I can't believe it. Scott did not come up with this, but Gandalf talking to is it Mary or Pippin? Pippin. It's Pippin. Pippin. Uh, the Return of the King, right before the war starting, right? And he oh, just, yeah. It, well, it's two. It's it's both. It's him talking to him then, and then when they're trapped in the last layer of um, Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith, and he's talking about you know, basically talking about heaven, and you know, this is not the end. And you just like you want that old man with you wherever you are, just telling you everything's <laughs> gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, there's whenever you're down, you you want that. Uh, so, um, those aren't necessarily. Oh, never mind. That I was gonna say those aren't monologues. It wasn't supposed to be about monologues. So, what the hell am I talking about? It's I need old, a drink. Old man telling telling stories. Yeah, but just Gandalf just talking about, you know, there's hope, and that's good to know that somewhere out there, Frodo has the ring, and isn't that a good thing? And and yeah, so it's two different scenes talking about the hope, and then the talking about how what heaven's like and all that. You just die, you come back, and you're white. Yeah. You just lay naked in the snow for a little while, or in his case, thousands of years or whatever. But you come back, you're white, and you know you're even you're even more angrier than the old Gandalf. That's my Gimli. Again, Gandalf the White's kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah, they're all dicks. Or he's all he's always a dick. Gray, white, purple, pink. Gray, he was a little bit more laid back. He was smoking that weed. <laughs> smoking that weed. <laughs> he turned white. He's like, ooh. Finest weed in the Shire. <laughs> I always love. I think it's in the is it deleted scenes or is it in the special edition at the end of the Two Towers where they weren't even trying to hide the fact that Mary and Pippin were high and on their ass. <laughs> Hobbits. Or is it the beginning of Return of the King? I don't know. I just know they're sitting there in the around the 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 uh, yeah everything's flooded. flooded. Yeah, yeah. Flooded, the pork. flooded Isengard. Yeah, and they're just sitting there just. <laughs> Well, well, and comforts. Yeah, 
Yeah, Gimli's all livid. <laughs> it's all <awesome. laughs> Um, that's my list. Um, I had another. I'll mention it, but it doesn't make sense. This actually should have gone toward intros, mon- intro montages, but I'm going to do it now because of the voiceover. And that's actually the intro to Fellowship of the Ring. And Galadriel's voiceover. I know that's a voiceover. It really shouldn't count. But when I just think of, like, long dialogue, it's not really – it doesn't fit in this category. That's why I didn't want to mention it. But, hell, I'm going to mention it. No, even without the visuals of the movie, if you just heard her voice voiceover and the screen was black, it would still be very engaging. Yeah, and that's just what gets you into the – you know, that's the very first one that gets you into it. It gives you the whole backstory. And... Yeah, what, what's your appetite for the gigantic battles come? Yeah. So like I said, that actually should have been in the very first podcast we had. That's probably the best intro montage ever. I'll edit it in there. <laughs> All right. So, oh, podcast one, special edition. <laughs> text, text to speech. <laughs> All new sound effects from Star Wars done by these shitty guys. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, um, I'm done. Anybody else have anything before we get on to the news? Speaking of Star Wars, uh, we we had an aborted attempt to watch the Star Wars Christmas special <laughs> a couple weekends, a couple I weeks ago. I really tried to forget this, Scott. Come on. Uh, we couldn't make it through. It was so fucking terrible, and not in a funny way. I I said it then and I'll say it again now. I hope people are still getting fired over that piece of fucking <laughs> shit. It was like god awful. Like that no part of the production was good. Like there was not a single thing where it looked like anything was done with any kind of competence. It looked like they took the director of Romper Room and told him to put together a script and and just film the thing. I and they they must have had like I don't know, the same budget that, that Fraggle Rock has to, to put together those sets. I, I just can't imagine who thought that was a good idea. I mean, it's clear, very clear why Lucas, Lucas. Is, yeah, why Lucas has basically you know, disavowed all knowledge. Um, I, I just, I, words fail me how bad some of this stuff was. Well, well to be Moses. fair, Scott, sorry, Alex, but to be fair, yeah. the, there was no budget because it all went into Mark Hamill's makeup. Oh damn it! He he did look like Phyllis Diller. I was gonna say that it went all to Mark Hamill animatronic robot that they put together. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I like yours better, but uh, if you haven't seen it, people go watch. Just just get a screen grab of that because it oh, is frightening. You'll never sleep again. Yeah. Just uh, Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill Christmas special, Bing or Google Images, Google Images. Yeah, I um, you know I think. To say Jeebus. that we are the biggest, some of the biggest Star Wars fans out there, and we could not stomach this. Like, we tried, we tried, we put, we're forcing through, and then luckily the internet connection went out, and we were like, oh, we're not even going to try to get it back on. <laughs> yeah. It was. Stir, whip, stir, whip, 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 stir. It, it, went, like, it I... went from incredibly unfunny, like, scene with, with Harvey Corman, where he was playing, like, a pseudo robot. But not really. And he's reading instructions to Lumpy, who was who was Chewbacca's kid. And, <laughs> and then that gets followed up by like a 15-minute music video from Jefferson Starship. I forgot about that. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Scott Dan B. Arthur. It, it was. Also, the author has a had a musical scene, had a musical number. 
I just... Uh, I, it, there were just, like, shots stolen directly from Star Wars and just spliced in. Like, <laughs> those, those were the best parts. <laughs> yeah. Those were part, the only parts that looked like anything could be done with competence. Luckily, Darth Vader never has to move his mouth, so they had so they're able to splice in some some extra scenes from from uh, James Earl Jones to get that to get that in there. We must beat them back to Kashyyyk for life day or whatever the fuck he said. I don't know. Just a fucking travesty. It was. I, I always thought it was. Everyone said it was bad, but it was one of those. You know, it's it's funny bad. No, it's on the first twenty minutes. I don't think anyone said a word. It was just. Just a like pant- yeah, it was Wookiee's pantomime. <laughs> Apparently there's only two houses on Kashyyyk, by the way. Uh, and then there's Sam that one either. Uh, I, you know, I say all the time that something's unwatchable, but, you know, that's just, you know, me being hyperbolic. Yeah. That, that, the Star Wars special is, is unwatchable. <laughs> I dare some, I double dog dare somebody <laughs> to watch the whole thing sober. <laughs> Yeah, we were plowed and we couldn't get. Through. Yeah, <laughs> and we're Star Wars fans. It's like, oh my! The only part that was somewhat interesting was the cartoon in the middle, and even that was no devil. <laughs> it was more interesting. I wouldn't say it was interesting. <laughs> okay, yeah, more interesting. I just saw Boba Fett, a weird-looking Boba Fett, and but and Han, Han Solo's face looked like a foot. I don't know what's going on there. Oh, that's right. It was extremely very seventies. So what that cartoon was. And R two D two was made out of like bubble gum because whenever he moved, he would <laughs> warp and bend. He was he's in his rubber outfit, and then <laughs> and then Boba Fett. The chick is up, and they know Boba Fett's after him, but he, he just fucking flies up out of the ship on his rocket pack for no reason. Like, <laughs> I'll see you again. I, this isn't the last you've seen of Boba Fett. <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I, I, I'm just exasperate, exasperated. I, I just, I can't, I can't describe it enough. Just how much was wrong with this? It, I, it was, it was like watching uh, Birdemic, <laughs> except, <laughs> except the Birdemic at least had the. The excuse of obviously somebody was that never done anything in film whatsoever that worked on it, but there were people that knew what they were doing, doing the Star Wars special. There was one thing to recommend about the whole thing though, and that was the commercials in between. Uh, oh yeah, if you find the the right video online. Yeah, it was a little <laughs> the commercials in between. A little little awesome. slice of Americana. <laughs> it seemed like every other commercial was for um, some kind of like over the counter pain medication. And all of them are gone today. All <laughs> talked about how shitty Bear was. <laughs> Guess which one is still around? <laughs> That's true. Don't Gimbals. fuck. Don't fuck with the Germans. It was hey, all <laughs> aspirin and Gimbals commercials, is what it was. Yeah, and GM commercials, but it was like sponsored by GM yeah. or something, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like Detroit, one of the greatest cities in America. It <laughs> like... was so sad. Like every other, yeah, that was uh, the other commercial. Yeah. All these people working in the auto plants. And how great it was. Talking about how great it was. It's so fucking depressing if you put it in context of 2013. Yeah. 2014, Scott. Get with it. We watched in 2013. Oh, that's true. Happy Life Day, Scott. Yeah, but don't you guys want to know if they actually made it to Life Day? We don't even know. For all we know, Darth Vader could have killed them all. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm hoping Lumpy jumped up on that ledge again and fell off this time. Hey, look at Lumpy. That at least would have, you know, had some dramatic implications. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember that. I, honestly, I did. We drank a lot, and I just remember it was terrible. And Stormtrooper should have shot Lumpy in the face. There's that one scene with oh, Art Carney was in it, and oh, that was the best part when he was doing his uh, Ed Norton routine, and he wouldn't type in the computer. He was doing, I don't know, for you guys. And hence, <laughs> no, for you guys who watch, have ever watched Honeymooners, I know that's old, that's old for me and my parents, but they made we all watched it as a family back in the day, and he's he would always like shake his hands before he'd type or do with the piano or anything, and he was kind of doing the same thing on the computer. I like that part, best part of the movie. <laughs> yep. So says Chef, the Octon Nigerian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I don't even know what that is. All right. Is it time for Neum News? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Because we we're talking about Star Wars, I just opened up my internet window and uh, I just see a headline that says Tupac as Jedi. And I have to click on this link. I have not clicked on it yet. I'm saving it for this. Apparently, Tupac Shakur auditioned to play a Jedi. Oh, he was going to be Mace Windu. What? It's not like they can't CGI him back in. He was at Coachella last year. That's true. They should do that. All right, this is not as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I thought he, that was, was. he was actually like a professional dancer or whatever before he got into his rap career. So him trying to bust in the movies like that is actually not that far-fetched. Because I want to dance in Jedi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey, Jedi rocks. <laughs> oh God! No, no, no! Boo da da! My next piece of news. This has nothing to do with what we're supposed to talk about, but I'm just being bitter, and I think Scott's going to join me. Today was the Baseball Hall of Fame vote, and oh Jesus, we need a whole other episode for this one. But go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> Fuck the baseball writers, because how does Greg Maddox not get everyone's vote? That's all I'm saying. And they, they go through this every time, you know. And the the only possible excuse this time around is they only get ten. <laughs> so somebody figured no. that Maddox was going to go in because people were going to vote him in, no. and they wanted to make sure somebody wasn't going to fall off the ballot. But yeah, it's still you have ten votes. Thing. There's no freaking way. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just these old retarded bastards. Well, Willie Mays didn't get a hundred percent. Well, yeah, because you fucked up back then too. So. Whatever, I'm over it. Not really, but I just wanted to mention because I'm so. I was just watching the news before. Yeah, sixteen, yeah. sixteen people did not put them on their ballots. Yeah, not even like one person to do it. Sixteen people. You know, we're gonna we're gonna see this again next year when it's uh, Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez. Yeah, and I fucking hate Pedro Martinez, but he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but so as good as they are, they're not Greg Maddox, and if they no. he didn't get a hundred percent, they're not getting hundred percent. I mean, what man, do you think, Alex? Oh, it's just well, which one scored more touchdowns? <laughs> Tom Glavin. Just say Tom Glavin. Oh, Tom Glavin. All right. What about Candy Maldonado? Hey, at least he was a baseball player. You got that right. <laughs> um, where in the world is Candy Maldonado? Maldonado. Uh, All right. Do you guys have any real news? Because I, I only have a couple other small well, things. In that really uh, a couple things tying into the, the Hall of Fame thing. Uh, there was that guy. I don't know if you heard about this today. Uh he didn't sell it, but he basically gave his ballot to Deadspin. And Deadspin had people vote online. And what they voted is what he turned in on his ballot. And all that came out today, this guy named Dan Lebetard. Um, Lebetard. So the people they voted, it actually wasn't like a bad. Like They had Bannocks on there, but they also had all the juicers. 
Um, it's a it's a privilege raising, for these guys to do this. People are raising a big stink. Um, but on the other hand, he did it to kind of show how much of a joke it was. Um, it, it it was kind of a I don't know. It's kind of a a catch twenty two. Like in order to show how much you know people are being shitty about about these votes, he was super shitty about his vote. So I don't know. It was like trying to put out a fire by setting another fire. It, it, like, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, so that happened today. Okay. I doubt that guy's going to have a vote next year. Um, <clears throat> my other news, talking about the video games, uh, Sony officially announced their um, their PlayStation Now service. I don't know when that's finally coming out. But that's basically their, their cloud uh, streaming service. I don't, I don't know if cloud has much to do with it, but their streaming service where basically you can play just about anything as long as you, you have the service on like a Vita or on your PS4, I guess. I'm not sure about that. But uh, there's some cool implications with that. So you can basically play almost anything on a Vita if you happen to have one. Um, so we'll, we'll see more about that. But uh, it's, it's a cool concept. Um, we'll see how it goes. There's going to be some technical nightmares, I'm sure, to get it up and running the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Give it a good couple of generations before uh, you start putting money down for that thing. Yeah, I, couple of I already have a couple of updates. Uh, <laughs> yes, good. I, I, I have a Vita. <laughs> I, and I like it. Well, the PS Vita, yeah, but the service. He's no, the, about service. the service. Yeah. Well, that's that's un, that's unclear right now whether that'll be part of PlayStation Plus or not. Uh, uh. I imagine it'll be extra though because yeah. It's, Ridiculous, but then you probably have to pay for the games you're you're getting. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. Um, it's cool. Well, they're talk- yeah, I mean they're comparing it to movies. So you you want to rent a movie, you pay five dollars right now, right? So it's probably something like that. Right. Or if I mean, you they, they kind it. of they have something like that with uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like it's not GameFly, but uh, something online um, where you can Game stream games. Yeah, I heard about that too. That's pretty cool. I know that the technology is going that way. I'm sure Xbox has something like that. Even the PC, I'm sure, is coming out with something like that. But that's that's definitely where it's going. Um, but the thing with video games is usually, like that streaming stuff is going to work for games that don't ha- don't require the most absolute awesomest graphics ever, right? But with gamers, usually they want the state of the art and everything. So right, Every, everything they they pumped up about this is like older generation stuff now. So, yeah. So you can play PlayStation 3 games whenever you want, wherever you want. Yeah. I don't know how much PlayStation 4 stuff is going to play in it for at least for a while. Exactly. That's cool. Anything else? Uh, nope. That's it for me. Yeah, I got some pseudo-sport-related news, actually, myself. <laughs> Apparently, right. WWE is going to get their own network. Yeah, there was a big announcement about the day, wasn't there? No, I'm just reading about it right now. <laughs> It's going to be like Netflix streaming. You can stream old stuff and stuff. And all their previous pay-per-view events, you can watch whatever you want. So like, it'll be like a monthly fee type of thing. Interesting. I yeah. prefer to call it WWF myself. but uh, The World Wildlife Federation. Yes. That's cool. I don't... I used to, I mentioned before I used to watch wrestling, but I... It's been a long time since I've actually... When did uh, Hulk Hogan retire? <laughs> no. He hasn't. Yeah. I think, I, sadly, I watched it all the way up. Well, not consistently, but I did watch it in 2000 because I know I went to WrestleMania 2000. Yes. That was when uh, Triple H fought The Rock and Mankind and 
Kane, I think. And they had a, each one had a McMahon in the corner. That sounds pretty epic. Yeah. Who had Grandma McMahon? <laughs> there is no, no Grandma McMahon. Oh. Was it a casket match? <laughs> it was not a casket match. Was there uh, tax? No, it was just a stream. It was not a hardcore match. It was just... I don't even remember how it went. I just remember that there was four of them and that um, my brother was almost crying at the end because never trust a big man. Because one of the, <laughs> one of the big mans cheated and helped Triple H win. And how, how he was so upset. Uh, that was 2000. He was 19 <laughs> or 20. Yeah, what? 19. <laughs> never trust a big man. Never trust a big man. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any... Do you have any more news, Alex, or no? I don't oh, really have it. anything yeah. news other than I just want to say I did watch a couple movies over the holiday break and uh, some sci-fi movies, and they were not good but not terrible. Well, so World Man. War Z, Ugh. that movie is like – Christmas special? Star Wars Christmas special? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Nothing's that. But it's like Cinemax – like if Cinemax were to make a zombie movie, it's like, it's like there's no – Penetration. There's no actual porn going on. There's no zombie. I didn't see a zombie bite anybody the whole time. No one got pulled apart. It's, how do you have a zombie movie where it's like nobody gets attacked by zombies? What? Like, not Shoot. like in the zombie way. Like you know, you know, coming out, ripping a guy's head off, catching him. It's just all like special effects, and nothing really happens. It's, ah, I hated it. You should Sorry. do the uh, the audio book for that. I think you'd like it. I know. I heard that the book's a lot better, and I actually did like the. Well, I don't want to talk. It's just a recent movie, so I won't actually talk about. Well, it. Well, that that one in particular um, lends itself well to the audio version. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to, even even having read the book, I kind of wanted to go through and do the audio one. And then the other movie I saw was Oblivion, and I didn't hate it. <laughs> I thought the tech, the story was kind of lame, but the tech in it was really. I like in sci-fi movies, tech's like everything to me, and I really like that. So if you guys like, I don't know, have you guys seen it? I don't know. Yeah, I saw it. the flying ship and him like fixing the other uh, robot and stuff that was down. That was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I was utterly bored by the trailer and all yeah. the guns and stuff. Yeah, oh, that was cool and just the whole premise, like the starting out premise and what the world is like. You know what the, the you know the world is like at that point was cool. The story was very predictable and whatever. Tom Cruise is the worst, but hey, Jamie Lannister's in it. He is in it. He's barely in it, but he's in. It. So that's it. I don't know. I, I watched a couple documentaries. Oh, have you guys ever heard? See, this is gonna sound. You guys probably have. I'd never heard of Troll Two. Yes, <laughs> you've never I, heard of Troll Two. Oh <laughs> my god! They're eating him, and then they're gonna come down and eat me. Oh my god! <laughs> so have you guys seen it, or Jeff, are you just Jeff? Jeff. What? Milbog spelled backwards. It's goblin. It's goblin. No, it spells troll. (laughs) There's not a troll in this goddamn movie. Yeah. So so have you guys seen it or no? Or you just know lines from it? I've seen it. Yeah. Fortunately, I've seen it. I've seen it. Oh, and I recommend the Riff Tracks version of that movie, too. So I'm going to recommend there's a documentary about it. It's called The Best Worst Movie Made. And it's about uh, how this movie... It's kind of become a cult classic, and it has like a following and stuff now. <laughs> and the documentarian, who is one of the actors, like one of the kid actors, um, he's making a documentary about it. And so they go back and they're starting to reunite the cast. They're starting to get the director. 
but it really it's it's sad. It feels like a Christopher Guest mockumentary. <sighs> it, it's they're like it's sad how they're starting to get a little bit popular and they kind of get a little big and they you know they go to this special event just for them and they're the stars there. So then they try to expand and they go to, to a comic con and like nobody knows who they are. <laughs> And nobody like they're sitting there, and like, no, there's not a single person like stopping by to ask for an autograph or anything. And then they can see him. Well, well, yeah, I really didn't want this to happen. And oh, it's cool. And the director, he doesn't under. He's an Italian guy. He has no idea that this is happening. It's cool. So they contact him. He's like, all right. He comes back, but he doesn't know what it's popular because of how bad it is. So he starts taking it as an insult when he's there. Jesus. And then they're like interviewing the cast members and they keep saying stuff. And he's like in the background starts yelling at him. Well, that's because you're a terrible actor and you suck. You never even got it. It is like a sad train wreck yet hilarious <laughs> at the same time. I'm going to have to watch this. Yeah. So I've never seen the movie. It looks god awful. I was actually on Netflix, I think. So I started to watch it and I, I felt I was going into it. It was too soon after Star Wars Christmas special, yeah. so I was like, <laughs> "You need <right>. a break." <laughs> I, need, I can't watch two of these in the same two weeks. So, um, dude, call me over when, when you're going to watch it. I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> okay. It's been a couple of years. So, recommend that uh, that documentary. I think it's called the best worst movie ever made, but you look for that in Troll Two, and that's uh, pretty awesome. All right, um, I think that's it. Anybody else have anything before we move on to next week's topic? Uh, just a quick recommendation of my own. I'm sick this week, so I watched some stuff. Uh, one recommendation was actually uh, Joss Whedon's uh, Much Ado About Nothing uh, adaptation of the Shakespeare play. Um, if anybody likes Shakespeare, this is a great uh, version of it. Um, it is the words. He didn't, like, change the words to modern times or anything. Um, it's all filmed in, like, his sweet-ass house in Santa Monica. But, yeah, I recommend it if you guys like Shakespeare. Cool. Cool. I, some of his stuff is hit or miss with me. So, yeah, I'll check it out. I'm actually, we'll check it out. I like The Dollhouse. I know a lot of people didn't like that, but I like that show. Yeah, the, the, main, <clears throat> the main actress in that one, uh, Amy Acker, played the doctor on Dollhouse. Okay. Yeah, she has the... the the main role is Beatrice and uh, much to do about nothing. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, that wraps up the news. Uh, Scott, what are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, just to tie it in with the Joss Whedon stuff, I want to talk about uh, the scene and a little bit of what led up to it um, in the Avengers when uh, Loki gets his oh-so-sweet beat down um, on top of uh, Stark Tower. Just <laughs> possibly my favorite scene in the movie. So yeah, just I I love uh, when a villain gets a good comeuppance, um, and that one, you know, takes the cake in that movie, anyways. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about that. We'll talk a little bit more about the movie and as a whole, but um, yeah, just Loki getting uh, one of the sweetest beatdowns ever. All right, sounds good. I love that part of the movie, and I love that movie. So all right, there's um, an Avengers movie now. Yeah, apparently. Oh. May, may have made a few bucks in the theaters. Got to go to Hollywood Video and go get it. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Before we uh, leave, just want to remind you guys that we have our Twitter, Facebook account out there. If you are listening, please follow us. Let us know what you think. Um, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. If you are using iTunes, if you can give us a little review or something or a little just rank us just so we know that people are out there listening. 
Um, we're seeing some downloads, so we know some of you guys are there. Thanks, uh, Mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why isn't your mom following us on Twitter then? So some of you out there are doing it. So please, um, you know, let us know what you think and follow us and all that fun stuff. Um, once again, the Twitter account is um, at Hans Shot First, first being 1ST. And on Facebook, it's Hans Shot First, F-I-R-S-T. And um, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy Life Day. Happy Life Day. Being my second favorite movie, that scene is my favorite scene of that movie. And I keep saying movie. I hate it when I keep saying movie. 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 What's going on? All right. <laughs> I'm definitely. Just, I'm definitely just... movie. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely movie.